Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nouwen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nouwen to audiences around the world. We invite you to share these podcasts and our free daily meditations with your friends and family. Through them, we can continue to introduce new audiences to the writings and the teachings of Henry Nouwen, and we can remind each listener that they're a beloved child of God. Now, let me introduce you to my guest today. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Anne Voskamp. Anne is the New York Times bestselling author of The Broken Way, The Greatest Gift, Unwrapping the Greatest Gift, and the 60-week New York Times bestseller, 1,000 Gifts, A Dare to Live Fully Right Where We Are. In her bio, Anne also writes that she's the wife of, as she says, a very fine farmer. His name is Daryl. And she's the mother of seven children. Anne's a superb writer and poet, but it's her bare-bones honesty that captivates readers. Central to her writing is her determination to point to Jesus, the very center of her hope. Anne, welcome to Henry Now and Now and Then. What a privilege and an honor to get to be with you. Thank you. Anne, I'm amazed at what a prolific and excellent writer you are. I have to ask, where do you find the time? <laughs> How do you do it? Oh, life is full for all of us. And I think um, I think for me, actually, I think it was Henry who said it, um, something to the effect of when we write words, we meet the spirit of the word. Um, and, and for me, that's been a very formational, spiritually formational journey. When I pick up my pen and I start to write, when I open up my laptop, and sit there with the with the um the keyboard or even with my little typewriter um that process of of waiting on the word god himself as i write words it's holy space for me and i i believe that um but if the words are going to do anything in the heart of the reader they first have to do something in the heart of the writer so for me the lord is meeting me as i write and refining me and speaking to me and and inspirational writing has to come from beyond yourself. It has to be inspired coming from the Lord. So it's a really, it is, it's a holy experience for me every time I sit down and write. Well, I could certainly feel that. I've just read the book Wayfarer, Finding the Way to the Life You Have Always Dreamed of. And I was so struck by the way you interweave your story, Mm. your feelings, Mm. And in a sense, you would form it with with mm. the word of God as mm. it's speaking to you. So what you just described is certainly, I'd never read a book quite like it, to be honest with you. And yeah. it was really powerful for me because I felt like you were giving me the tools to go through crisis because mm. you understood how to go through crisis. So that's a real gift. That's an amazing that's, gift given. It's interesting. I, I honestly really believe that we can we can go to church we can listen to sermons, we can open up scripture, and we can read the Bible. But if we don't know how to take the theology and put skin on it, if we don't know what it looks like to live this theology out at the kitchen sink, it's actually stillborn theology. We have to actually know how to incarnate the words of Jesus. So when I when I write, I am taking theology and trying to put skin on it. What does it look like? 
to actually live out the scripture? What does it look like to live out this doctrine and to wrestle with it and to falter and to fail and to experience God's grace and encounter him personally as he picks you up, sanctifies you, refines you, and carries you further along the way? I I really believe that, um, oh, there's so much rich theology we can be reading, but what we remember has to come to us in an envelope of emotion. So when I write, I am taking theology and, and bringing the truth of scripture into an envelope of story that hopefully is going to be emotive for you. And as you feel something as you're reading, the theology and the truth of what you're reading is actually, Lord willing, going to embed <laughs> deeper in your mind so that you can incarnate the, the truth, that you can actually then live it out in your own life. Jesus, when he taught, he teaches in story all the way through the Gospels. He teaches in parable. He, he teaches poetically and lyrically in a way that is memorable. So I believe that when we write about the truth of scripture, when we write about God's way, when we write about what it means to keep company with Jesus, tell it to me in a story. Tell it to me the way Jesus told it so that I remember it too. So I hope when you open up an Ann Voskamp book, you're stepping into a story because I honestly believe that, that God writes better stories than we possibly could. Write a true story, a realist story that actually is a page turner that, that then you are, you're actually though, in through the process of story, you are you're staying in the greatest story, Jesus' story, the word itself. And then you know how to live that word out. Oh, I too wrestle with this. I'm hoping when you read an Ann Voskamp book, you're like, oh, wow, I wrestle with the same things. Oh, I'm not alone. Oh, she's saying the things out loud that I didn't know how to even put words to, or I didn't know it was safe to go ahead and say out loud. Now, I hope like as C.S. Lewis says, that we, we read so that we're not alone. I hope when you open up an Ann Voskamp book, whether it be Waymaker or The Broken Way or 1,000 Gifts or any of the devotional books, that the person the person who's reading them on the other side of that book, not only do they not feel alone, I hope Jesus meets them on the page. It's interesting because it's actually that level of honesty that of yourself and of, of what you're going through that reminds me so much of Henry Nouwen. Mm. I mean, people who read Henry oh. um, were sometimes undone by his honesty. And remember, he was writing at a time in which there was an awful lot of, I, I would say, spiritual leadership kind of glossed over and sat at the top. And Henry's ability yes. to be so honest and so vulnerable made people say, oh, that's just like me. I feel that. His ability to say, what made him angry or what made him self-conscious or how poorly he felt about himself. I mean, all of those kinds of things. It's funny how you remind me of that. And at the same time, what I find that you both share is a kind of Christocentricity. Mm -hmm. I always find that for Henry, he had this big pendulum that was swinging. Mm -hmm. At the center of the pendulum was Jesus. So he could, he could go way out, you know, and he could be really... Uh, kind of maybe I'd say off base. And then he finds himself back to this thing that's the center line. And I found myself going, wow, I really do see a kindred spirit oh. as I'm reading your work. I can't think of another theological sage in recent history. 
I mean, Henry wrote letters to himself, note to himself that became published books. That kind of level of vulnerability and humility. I mean, there's, I mean, when you read him, it, it can feel like, oh, I, I am reading your diary. I don't know if I should actually know all of these things about you. But the <laughs> sense of, he gives us the gift of, God doesn't want a, a washed, clean, sanctified version of us. He, God wants us to come into our his presence with our, our bare heart, our honest heart, because that's when we bring our honest, broken places. I mean, Henry gave us that phrase that only Henry could have given us, a wounded healer. Only the wounded healer can touch the broken parts of our heart and heal us. But if we bring if we bring God a, a, a mask, <laughs> if we bring him a fake version of us, he can't actually do the real healing. So I hope, I hope Henry and I both um, grant a reader permission to be really honest with God about the broken parts of our stories, about the parts of our stories where we have questions, the parts of our stories where we feel abandoned or wounded, the parts of our stories where we feel um, forsaken and utterly left alone. And then to come back to Christ himself, that we are not alone, that God himself, Jesus on the cross said, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? He knows what it feels like. And yet he also knows that the Lord never forsakes. The Lord is, the Lord says, I am Emmanuel. I'm the God who is with us. So I, I hope, um, I hope the vulnerability that both Henry and I bring to the page allows a reader to be very vulnerable with God because we ultimately, all of us want intimacy. And the only way we can get to intimacy is through a door of vulnerability. And whether that's intimacy in relationships, but intimacy in our relationship with God is going to require us being really vulnerable of what, what our human experience is like. And Lord, you need to meet me in this place right where I am. There's an incredible honesty in this book. You mm -hmm. aren't afraid to talk about your marriage, which at, at points looks like, you know, it's a walk away moment. And yeah. you're not afraid to talk about this incredible struggle to mm -hmm. adopt this little girl, Shiloh, in China. I mean, I, I, I think one of the things I felt about the book, mm. it's not a fast read at all because of this density of layers and layers of mm. processing what's going on in your life. But I would say that it is a book that really matches that human journey. None of us have necessarily pretty perfect journeys. We have stuff that happens in the most important relationships we have in the most critical situations that we face. And I feel like in the process of you honestly solving it in your writing, mm -hmm. you're giving us tools to solve it too. And I, I love that. I, I really value that. Waymaker really does unpack, as just as you said, these two very, very tender, intimate relationships. One being my marriage, my relationship with my husband and the other relationship being that of adopting a child and being becoming a grafted family where she is grafted into us and we are grafted into her um and both of those stories are so incredibly um <laughs> vulnerable and there's times I'm like oh I don't want to be this vulnerable at all but both of those stories the marriage story and the adoption story are brought to the page as a metaphor, marriage and adoption, as a metaphor for our relationship with God. 
that he means communion with us. He means intimacy with us. So <laughs> my husband would say, of course, Anne, you need to go. Because I was writing, it was so difficult. And there was times when like, I wanted to shirk back. And I don't want to be this honest and this vulnerable. And my husband would say, but you have to go ahead and talk about the most intimate relationships in your life because they are metaphors for the intimate relationship God is calling us to. So yes, I am talking about a marriage story and an adoption story. But those stories, again, are envelopes to talk about the greater and deeper meaning of what does it look like to have this kind of intimate communion with God? Like he, he has this metaphor all through scripture that he is like our husband, the bridegroom coming for his bride. What does it look like to that kind of communion and intimacy with him? And he talks about throughout scripture, you're adopted into my family. You're grafted into my family. You are now my child. He's not just King Jesus, but the etymology of that word King is kin. You're part of my kin. You're part of my family. So he is king, but he is also brother and father. And we are now part of this family. So I think um, Waymaker really is unpacking. We want a way through life. Because like, as you said, we all have such tender stories and obstacles and hardships and, and things don't go the way we planned or expected. And, and we run into all kinds of red seas where we're caught between an obstacle that we cannot cross and the horde of the Egyptians coming after us. And we, we think we want a way through, but more than a way through, we need a way of life, a rhythm of life, a cadence of life that keeps us in the way himself. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We need to be have communion and intimate relationship with the way himself, who then carries us through, who then parts the Red Sea, not into the place we think we want to arrive at, which is often my default <laughs> cerebral setting, but he actually carries us into the promised land, which is his presence, communion with himself. So yes, I tell intimate stories because I want you to step into the promised land, the intimate relationship with Jesus himself. And the book is laced with wonderful lines that mm. take away all sense of pretense. Like, I love this one. How do you let yourself feel love when you're drowning in rejection? Whoa. Yes, that's a like, I mean, <laughs> We all have those moments where that, that is actually, oh, those are words for the, that experience, right? <laughs> That's right. And then you write, how can you believe you're chosen if you would never choose you? There's no pleasing God without trusting him here. I, I find that fabulous. So much of my thinking around chosenness came from Henry. Henry talks so much about what does it mean to be chosen? Because I think Henry touched on, oh, he, he was such a, not just a student of the word, not just a student of the heart of God. He was also a student of what does it mean to be human and to be really honest about what it means to be human. And I think Henry was honest about his own sense of where do I belong? Where am I chosen? And he felt a sense of rejection in all kinds of places. And again, he comes back to, I am chosen by God. I am chosen by Christ. So I think um, Waymaker really does look at right from the very beginning of the book is, that, that I felt rejected in my own marriage. But then I think regardless of whether we're single or not, um, our stories hold these really tender bruised places where we feel, felt rejected. And then what does it look like to be chosen by God, that God came? We want a way through, but wait, can I pause and see? God has come the whole long way because he chooses me, because he chooses to be with me. I love what one writer wrote about you. And I, I, I if you don't mind, I'm just going to quote it. She said, 
She has cut open her chest and laid her heart out so people don't feel alone mm. and Jesus doesn't feel far off. Mm. Um, mm. I, I love that. I, mm. I, in a sense, there's, there's one reason to do this, you know, this, the, the reason of honesty and there's the, there is the um, sense of this is the real story, mm. but you are actually in being honest, in being vulnerable, inviting mm. people into a place where they go, oh, that's just like me mm. and I'm okay and I can make my way to God from this. Um, we make a really unpacks, not just a way through, do I have a way of life that keeps me in the way himself? And it unpacks an acronym, sacred, that becomes my sacred way of life. And sacred, um, that acronym stands for the S is stillness, A is attentiveness, C is cruciform, R is revelation, examine, E is examined in D is doxology. The C of sacred, cruciform. How do I live a cruciform life? Which is exactly what you said off the top that just that Henry and I coming back to the, how do we live a, a life that is centered in Christ? A life that regardless of the waves, the pendulum that moves us back and forth, how do we keep coming back to center, which is the cross? How do I live a life that is formed and shaped like the cross? How do I live a, a cruciform life that is shaped like a cross that I'm reaching out to God, I'm reaching out to other people that I physically, metaphorically, figuratively in my mind, the way I live my life, live shaped and formed like a cross. And I think even as I write, it is coming with my whole heart and laying it on the altar. That is the, that's a posture of cruciformity, a posture of surrender. Because um, if we live, I really believe that cruciformity is everything. Cruciformity is the heart of Christianity. To walk in the way of Jesus, to keep company with him and live in the way of Jesus, you need to have a life that is shaped and formed like a cross, which is, we see that as a uh, surrender. If I, if I lay my life down on the altar, I'm going to lose something. There is sacrifice. But as I unpack in Waymaker, the Hebrew understanding of sacrifice, it comes from that word korban, korban, K-O-R-B-A-N, which actually the, the, the Hebrew understanding of korban, sacrifice, surrender, um, when you sacrifice something, you're not losing. It means to actually come nearer. You're gaining. You're gaining presence. You, you aren't losing something that you're going to be missing. You're gaining the thing that you actually want the most. So I think when we think about be it me writing and here's my heart on the altar, which is not to be tried about it. Every time we live a, a surrendered life, a cruciform life, there's a cost and it's painful and it's not easy. But to also remember that as we live a cruciform life, a sacred way of life that has cruciformity right at the center of it, that's our core bond to the Lord. And we're not losing something. We're actually gaining more of his presence. So I hope readers, as they read, think about, okay, do I have a sacred way of life? that keeps me in the way himself. And that sea of sacred, what does my life, how is my life cruciform? What does it look like to, to surrender my agenda, my plans, to reach out to God and to reach out to people? What does it look like to sacrifice so that my life looks like cruciform love, that it isn't guarded with my arms protecting myself, but it's, it's, a, it's a posture of the cross that is a posture of vulnerability, which is ultimately a posture of embrace, a posture of intimacy. I, I was amazed at the number of words that um, you you put on the page that kept coming back mm. and you were informing me with. You were giving me, they are rich in you, the cruciform life. I was It was right here at my list of things to ask you about. So I'm so glad you shared that. Mm. Another one, and I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. Hesed 
Tell me about that. What's that? (laughs) Because it keeps coming up throughout the book. And I want to know why. Really, really important. It's it's over 200 times in scripture. That word chesed is used when we first, when God first tells us his character, he uses the word chesed. Chesed, um, and it doesn't have a direct, like so many words from Hebrew Old Testament language into English, doesn't have a direct translation. And actually, um, when the scripture was translated into English, they had to come up with a word to translate chesed. And it's a word we don't use very often um, in modern day language. Um the steadfast loving kindness of the Lord. So we almost have two words to describe chesed, but it's chesed really is, um, it's a faithful love. It's a loyal love. It's a steadfast love that is not going anywhere. It's a, it's a love that is kind and for us. It's a, it's an all encompassing word that we think, oh, God calls us to be faithful to him, loyal to him. God calls us to chesed love to him. But we have to understand that, first of all, God has an chesed love to us. God is loyal to us. God sticks with us. God doesn't abandon us or forsake us. He never lets go of us. He's a steadfast, loving kindness. <laughs> um, so ultimately, the love that saves us is a love that is is bound to us, that is attached to us, that heals us through the bonding to, to it. That's the kind of love God has for us. And then he asks then for us to have the same kind of faithful, chesed, loyal allegiance to him, that kind of love back to him. And that that's a picture of the union and communion. So I think in, in, in Waymaker, I talk about, you know, we expectations kill relationships. And we do that in our relationships, in our family and work. Um, in our faith communities, but we also do it with God. We have these expectations of what God should deliver to us, give to us, in, in sort of transactionally in terms of, I have this relationship with you, God, now you need to give this back to me. And I think um, to understand, expect God to always come, but just don't expect him to come the way you thought he would. What you, The only thing you can really expect of God, now oh, I'm going to get teary when I think of it, the only thing you can really expect of God is his, his said loving kindness. You can always expect chesedness from the Lord. So no matter what, what is coming at me, my perspective has to shift and go, oh, remember, nothing can come through. I think it's Carothers who said it. Nothing can come into my life unless it's filtered through his fingers of love. Nothing can come into my life unless he determines this is a chesed loving kindness. I'm Sometimes something might be painful. Oh, can I remember? This is the chesed loving kindness of God. This is like a surgeon. It might cut and it might hurt and it might be very, very painful. But ultimately, I can I can trust the heart of God. It's an chesed heart that is for me, that is for my healing. So I think for us to have an understanding of him, I mean, there's some theologians that believe that chesed is the most important word in all of scripture for us to understand the heart of God. And if we don't understand that his heart is in a said loving, kind heart, we can be wearing a lens to go, oh, look at God. God has forsaken me. This is not a good gift from the Lord. This is a bad gift from the Lord. If I can go, wait, wait, wait. His word tells me who is it he is. His word says that he is in a said steadfast, loving, kind God. That means then whatever is coming into my life, God means it ultimately for my good and his glory. I will accept and embrace it as a gift. Oh, that's, that's lovely. And, and I, and I'm going to say that it's exactly what I have found in your story. I find 
And that's why I think I want to encourage our listeners. If you've not read one of Anne's books, you need to go get an Anne book, an Anne Boskamp book. You must do that because in a way, we often understand these things by hearing them in story, by seeing, mm-hmm. oh, that's how it works. That's mm-hmm. how it worked in her, in her life when she was facing a a, a problem, a crisis, a, a self-doubt, uh, fears, all those different things. How does God work in that? And And I think... It's a very special gift to be able to voice what that intimately looks like, because sometimes people can't. And it's not a sermon that comes from afar. It's a, it's story. Each of the books, um, my first book, 1000 Gifts, each of the stories are really, (laughs) they're my life. I am telling them in, as I am spiritually formed and grow deeper in the Lord, the books are telling that story and that journey. Um, 1000 Gifts um, tells the story of how I was, um, as a young girl, I was diagnosed with agoraphobia. I was terrified of um, so much of the world because my very first memory, as the book opens, um, my very first memory is my, I was four years old, standing at the kitchen sink, helping my mama wash dishes. And um, we looked at the kitchen sink and in the farm yard, uh, where I grew up, my 18-month-old baby sister was um, toddling across the farmyard after a stray cat when a propane service truck came into the yard and ran over her and crushed and killed her in front of my mama and I. And I grew up as a little girl just terrified that the most unimaginable thing could happen in front of you. Um, so I grew up really, I was di- had ulcers by the time I was seven in grade two and then and then cutting myself um, throughout my teen years just to try to release myself from all of this pain. And then uh, by the time I was at York University, Corner Jane and Finch um, diagnosed with agoraphobia. So I grew up really terrified. But 1000 Gifts is unpacking about someone gave me a dare. Could I count a hundred things that I loved? And as I, I thought, well, I can do a dare. I, I'll write down a thousand things. And as I did it, I realized, oh, I'm not just writing down a thousand things I love. I'm writing down a thousand gifts. God is giving me because he loves me. I'm counting all the ways he loves me. And it was this radical journey out of fear. You can't simultaneously feel fear and gratitude at the same time. You can't, um, you start to realize, oh my goodness, I'm living in a grace universe where there's, God is providing gift upon gift upon gift as I'm picking up a pen and writing it down every day. All of these gifts, I, I'm not just counting gifts. I'm not just counting all the ways he loves me. In a world when I don't know what I can count on, when people can die in front of you, what I'm actually learning is I can always count on the grace and provision of God. So 1,000 Gifts is unpacking how gratitude, counting a 1,000 things, opening up a gratitude journal, writing down a 1,000 gifts, radically changed my life, which moves into the broken way where I realize, okay, now that I've taken all of these gifts that God has given me, what do I do with them? Which is a very Henry Nowen way to think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he... oh. I'm going to get choked up. Um, Henry profoundly informed my thinking around living a Eucharistic life to take everything and give thanks for it. And now that I've taken it, what do I do? How do I live broken and given out into the world? Um, so the broken way is really about how do I live a cruciform life? I live shaped and formed like a cross, that um, vertical beam of the cross, that everything comes down from heaven as a gift. And then my praise then rises up to him. And then I take the gifts that he's given and I live horizontally like a cross out into the world and pass those gifts on out into the world is what broken weight 
unpacks. Waymaker then is taking, how do I live a way of life that keeps me in the way himself? Stillness, sacred way, stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, which goes back to the broken way, revelation, examine, and doxology, thanksgiving, which goes back to 1,000 gifts. So really, when you pick up an Ann Voskamp book, you're on a journey from 1,000 <laughs> gifts and this person who was so afraid of a terrible, awful things that can happen in your life to um, the broken way, which is like, I'm not going to be afraid of a broken thing because in every broken thing is exactly where God is, is resurrecting a new thing. How can I live a broken life, a broken and given life, a cruciform life, this sacred uh, way maker and living a sacred way of life. Actually, um, actually way maker was handed into the publisher. Um, the week before, my father was killed in the same farmyard, crushed and killed under the wheels of a tractor, just like my sister was at the beginning of 1,000 Gifts. So when I went back to edit Waymaker, at the top of every single page of Waymaker was the date of when the edit my editor had gone through the manuscript for the first time, which was the very same date that my father was killed the same way that my sister was killed. Um, so it was like reading, doing the edits for Waymaker. Do I really believe that the Lord makes a way through when you're drowning in grief, when your story is framed by such trauma, not just once, not just that your first memory is losing your sister. Can you live a life of gratitude and gratefulness when this horrific thing is your very first memory and shapes your entire life? Now, as I write Waymaker, now that's happened to me again. My father is killed, crushed and killed in the same farmyard, killed the same way as my sister. Can I believe that the Lord is still good, that he will still make a way through, that his presence is still a promised land? So my story um, is framed by a lot of trauma, and a lot of heartache, just like everyone's is. And yet I believe with every fiber of my being that his presence is the promised land. And though I don't understand his ways, I don't understand why our story has such, each of our stories has such grief and heartache and pain in it. This is this is a world made of, of, of more than atoms. This is a world made up of stories. This is a world of made up of ways. And I, you change one person's story, the way of one person's life. You don't know how it affects the story, the way of somebody else's life. The only one who can navigate and orchestrate all the stories, all the ways, is the word himself, is the way himself. So I am going to trust that though my story and my way isn't the way I would have wanted it, that God himself is still ultimately writing a good story, writing a good redemptive way out of our broken places. I am so grateful that that's the uh, that's the task God has put on your heart. I'm really grateful. I I look and I say, it's interesting because you're like a full cup. You're just running over with the fullness of the Lord, and and it's a it's a real pleasure to talk with you. One of the things that I got to see, and I I want to share this with our listeners if they are not familiar with your website. Go and see because it, it's full of generosity and opportunities and possibility. I was very struck by the way that you are offering uh, lots of things that are free that people can access and will enjoy. Obviously, great way to get a hold of books. But I really appreciated that you're really interested in using the 
in a way the presence you have and the draw you have to make sure others benefit. So tell me just a little bit about some of the things that you've got going. Like here, you've got uh, the, the interesting gifts that you can get and, and there's a purpose in it. Tell me just a bit about the vision for community, I think. Well, I really, I really strongly feel we are a people who are supposed to be like cruciform, like Christ. What does God give us? He says, I am Emmanuel, God with you. And he is the God who sees us, El Roy. So we're supposed to give each other witness and witness. So I hope if you come to anvoscamp.com, you're going to you're going to experience witness. Someone sees you and you're going to experience witness. Someone is with you. So we have a lot of, of free tools on the website. If you um, go up to the top toolbar there, we have a whole library that is more than like 10 years deep of all kinds of um, free resources because I really, what I feel deeply <laughs> is that when we get to be on the way with each other, keeping company with the way himself, we need these spiritually formational tools that form and shape us more like Jesus. So um, everything from, we have all kinds of prompts. We actually have a, what we call a joy dare. It um, gives you prompts for you to go ahead and think through every day, every day of the month. So we, we send out the joy dare at the beginning of the month. Um, every day of the month, it'll tell you one thing, Today is the 11th of January or the 12th of January, the 13th of January. What are the things am I looking for? Three things that I'm looking for to be grateful for today. So it actually is priming the prompt because our default setting, I don't know about you, but my default setting is to look for all of the, the things that are going wrong, the things that I have to fix, the work that I have to do, as opposed to looking for the gifts and the grace and the goodness. So we have this joy dare. Can we dare you to, to look for gifts and to be expanded in a by gratitude into a life of joy and thanksgiving. We also have a calendar called Be the Gift. Gift being, again, an acronym. Uh, give it forward today. So not that we have to pay it forward because um, because everything is a gift. How do I live a Christmas? I'm like that. I take all the gifts that I've been given and be a gift and pass that grace on out into the world. So we give you, again, a calendar that says, okay, this is one thing I could do today. Just a really easy thing that I could pass grace on. I could give um, some kind of encouragement, a smile, joy to somebody else. So just really easy, accessible ways. And both of those things, um, both of those things actually, not only are they rooted in scripture, they're rooted in deep uh, scientific research that can only prove the truth of scripture. Um, that our way into joy, the two strongest most robust ways into joy is are you do you have a practice of habit a habit and practice of gratitude and do you have a practice and habit of not just random acts of kindness but intentional acts of kindness so if you're somebody who feels like oh my goodness things are so dark right now and things are so challenging and i really don't know the way through can i encourage you well, first you can come to ambosscamp.com and we'll get to those free tools into your hands so that will help you. But can you pick up a pen and think, oh, there's got to be one thing I can be grateful for. Just one thing I can write down that I can live into a sacred way of life, that D being doxology. Can I, one thing I can be grateful for, one thing I can live into a posture of doxology. And then how do I live a cruciform life? What is one thing I can do to reach out to somebody else so that they know that they're not alone? Maybe that looks like leaving um leaving a water bottle and a muffin at the door when the when the um, delivery man comes. That might be going ahead and paying for coffee from somebody behind me. It might be going ahead and sending a text message to somebody. Um, I ran into a woman last week at the bookstore and uh, she was buying a book because she's such a, a friend of hers. It was so beautiful. A friend of hers had just been diagnosed with breast cancer and was starting chemo. So she was putting together a whole care package of books and treats into this package to send her. So What's one thing you can do today? If we we all need to know that we're not alone, we all need to know 
It's not that we're not going to face trauma and heartache, the, but the real deepest trauma is when we go through something that's heartbreaking and we go through it alone. So what can you do? You can reach out to somebody else. So we have all kinds of tools at embosscamp.com. We're on Instagram where we are um, daily trying to edify and encourage. I think scripture encourages us only to speak words that make souls stronger. And that is really what we're all about because we're all of us are in the trenches limping and we need someone to go ahead, speak words to us that make our souls stronger, to encourage and edify us for, for our valleys and for us to realize that every valley that we're in is ultimately the valley of his cupped hands. I, I know a lot about the creative process mm. from having lived it out in my own life. And I'm, I'm curious if there's another book being born oh. in you right now, oh, I can imagine there must be. And yet at the same time, I know sometimes it's not the time to take your baby out. I, and it, you kind I, of guard it at that moment. That's actually a very good point. Um, I, I don't write, I am not writing books to write books. I am writing my story. So I honestly believe you have to be living out something um, before you can go ahead and, and write something. So, um, I have my quote unquote memoirish books that are taking you, they're either unpacking a theology of gratitude and joy or a theology of suffering or a theology of communion within story, 1000 gifts, broken way, Waymaker. Um, but then I also write um, books that are really taking you through scripture. So um, my Christmas book, for example, the greatest gift takes you from um, Genesis all the way through to the birth of Christ, hitting all those uh, 25 days through um, Advent uh, so that you, well, you understand when you get to the birth of Jesus. Oh, look at all of these stories all the way through the Old Testament is building to the coming of Christ himself. So I am working, I'm finishing up right now, uh, a book that will take you 40 days through the book of John from Jesus coming straight through to the cross, because I ultimately believe everything is about, do you have a way of life? that is about keeping company with the way himself. So it really is um, unpacking the passion of Christ for you. Ultimately, passion is about um, Jesus is the only one who has ever loved us to death and back to the realist life. So um, that book, um, taking us through the book of John, that should come uh, for Lent of 2025. And then I have... Lord willing, um, some journals actually coming out the fall of 2024 that will actually um, be a gratitude journal to go along with uh, uh, 1000 Gifts and a sacred prayer journal that goes along with Waymaker to help you unpack what does it look like to live a life of a sacred life of stillness, attentiveness, cruciformity, revelation, examine, doxology that will allow you to journal. So it'll become 100 days of intimate communion with God. So all of the books in process. And then I'm starting... And I'll finish up these books in February, end of January, beginning of February. And then I will start the next uh, longer storybook, which is always, I find um, the longer storybooks, this like 1000 Gifts or Broken Way or Waymaker, um, it's harder because just as you said, you're putting your heart on the altar. So there's a, there's a, a price of vulnerability and it is far more um, exposing <laughs> and <laughs> put that on the page. So those books come slower. So you can pray for me because that journey starts in February. <laughs> you know, you've got a very well-planned out life as it, as you look forward. That's kind of well into 2026. Uh, well, yes. well, done. well done. Well done. Lord, <laughs> it's very easy until 2026. That's right. 
I want to ask you, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to go back and ask you a very particular question. I got to know two characters really well in The Waymaker. Of course, one was Daryl, yes. your husband. Tell me a little bit about how he's doing. And I'd like to hear about how Shiloh is doing. You're the little girl you adopted with the issues of the heart. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, because Waymaker really does unpack adopting adopting Shiloh um, from China, who has half of a heart. And that story, and my marriage story, where I broke my husband's heart. And then my own come to Jesus moment, where I actually was literally physically um in heart failure where my heart was failing and I was in the hospital and had my whole life kind of flash before my eyes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> how do I not just find a way forward, but find a way of life that keeps me in the way himself. So Daryl, who I'm actually Waymaker is the first book where I've actually named him. I've actually been blogging since um, we have uh, seven children. Um, yeah, I've been blogging since Shalom, our sixth Next, yes, since before Shalom was born. Our six was born and Shalom is 18. So I've been blogging like 19 years. So yeah. um, all the time blogging, I never said his name. He was always just the farmer. And in 1000 Gifts and in Broken Way, he's just the farmer. But in Waymaker, I do say, yes, his name is Daryl. Daryl today is farming. <laughs> um, today here on the farm, actually, we are just shifting from temperatures around zero, but we are starting to plunge more into Arctic wintry weather. And he is um, back on the farm that we call the river farm and doing um, a lot of work back there. And he just came in actually just before this podcast, he come in to get a coffee and he said, I am so cold. So he is taking care. We have um, 650 mama sows here at the farm and always, so always a thousand baby piglets. Um, so it is always, there's always a lot happening, even in the midst of winter, there is so much happening. And little Shiloh, actually, um, next week, Lord willing, um, I head into Sick Kids in Toronto, and Shiloh has, um, she has her clinic appointment, as she does every six months. Um, and Shiloh's had three open heart surgeries, uh, and someday, Lord willing, will need a heart transplant, but we hope that that's a good decade or more away let's hope two plus decades away um so we just sick kids has phenomenal doctors we're so grateful to live where we live where she can be monitored and really um shiloh is doing fabulously well and all like all of our kids say shiloh is the best thing that ever happened to us so we all love her to the actual moon and back again so um shiloh actually is really excited we are moving towards um valentine's day here and last Valentine's Day, um, we released our first children's book called Your Brave Song. And it has Shiloh right there on the cover. And the little song that um, that I sing to her every night when I tuck her in. And actually, every time she has, whether heart surgery or um, she has regular heart caths, where they have to go in and see where her heart rhythms and pressures are all at. And I that's, that is our, our song that we sing over and over and over again from Your Brave Song. So, um, so yes, I'm very, very grateful. I'm grateful to the Lord that he takes them physically broken hearts and relationally broken hearts. And as Henry said, the wounded healer comes and meets us and heals our broken hearts. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. What a privilege to talk to you today. I thank you so much for being with us. Wow. What a treat. I just want to thank you for stewarding Henry's work so faithfully. He's been, um, one of the most formational voices in my entire life. So just 
thank you for your good and faithful work. Um, it's just a gift to us all. Thank you. And I wish you well on this journey ahead. There's a pile of books yet to be written. And I promise this, everybody's going to find on our website and in our show notes, links to everything we've talked about today, all your books, certainly to your website. And I really am delighted that we had this time. It was well worth waiting for. I think I have lined up for almost four years to make a time match for the two of us. So thank you. Thank you. God's every blessing on you and your next season, my friend. I want to thank all of you for listening to our conversation today. You'll find links in the show notes of this podcast to Anne Voskamp's website and to any books or things we referred to in our conversation. If you'd like to watch this interview, you can see it on our YouTube channel. I hope you have already signed up to receive our daily meditations written by Henry Nowen. If not, you can do that on our website at henrynowen.org. Remember, they're free, and they're a wonderful way to stay informed about the various things we have to offer to those who enjoy the writings and the teachings of Henry Nowen. We would also be so grateful if you would consider donating to the Henry Nowen Society. Your resources help us share the daily meditations and these podcasts right around the world. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please take time to give us a review or a thumbs up or pass this on to your friends and family. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.